Hello, welcome to VR Roundtable, episode 120. My name is Gary and joining me is Anthony and Steve this week. Uh, Chris is unfortunately unable to join us, um, but we've got uh, a few things to talk about this week. Sorry we couldn't make last week's episode. Um, we all had commitments that just prevented us from doing that, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, we're back this week. Um, and before I pass it over to the other two guys, I did want to quickly mention another unfortunate uh, event is happening so next week it's easter and we've all got things that we've got to do next weekend as well so there won't be a show next week i wanted to hit this straight at the top of the episode just to make everybody aware there won't be an episode next week but then we will be back uh, pretty much uh, continually uh, following that week um so yeah just to make everybody aware of that um but uh, anthony how are you this week i'm doing good everything's going well um a lot of games in the last couple of days, so I'm looking forward to talking about them. Excellent. Yeah, Steve, you've been on a bit of a trip the past week or so. How are you? I'm good. A little, little jet lag was up at like 4 a.m., but it gave me a chance because I didn't come home from Europe till yesterday, late yesterday. I landed here in Louisville at 8 uh, p.m., So, but waking up to crack of dawn and being on the wrong time zone, it let me uh, jump into some of the games that released this week or that we got access to this week as well um, that I didn't have a chance to play. So everything works out in the end. Yeah, we've got some uh, good titles to discuss this week, so we'll be getting to that uh, very shortly. Um, in fact, I think we're going to start on games this week just to mix things up a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess we can get back into the show now. So um, thank you to everyone joining us in chat, um, and thank you to everyone listening as well. Feel free to comment and uh, leave a like or rev review on the podcast service of your choice. That would be uh, very much appreciated okay well let's get into it so what i'll do because um i want to talk about uh, nintendo labo but let's go through some of these bigger games from the that have been released these uh past week and week and a half or so um because i think these are the most interesting to people the first one i'd like to get into is vacation simulator um obviously a sequel to job simulator that was released shortly after i don't actually remember exactly when job simulator was released it was released shortly after launch of vr um or actually on launch of vr i'm not 100 percent on that it was a pack-in oh it was a pack-in okay yeah so um job simulator is one of the bigger titles it was one on the lead up to like the vive in the oculus rift release um there was a lot of people that were demoing this title at various events and trying it out and it, it was one of the first titles that i wanted to get into when i first got my htc vive um because you've seen so many people playing it uh, tribal instincts um and and stuff like this um so when when the vive was released this game was launched um, but all of these people were playing it. It just looked like a good interactive little experience. So there was a lot of hype on it originally. And um, that's really where I went into it with, with that in, in my mind. Um, so this is by Alchemy Labs. Uh, it's for $30 or £23.79 um, over here in the UK. And this is the sequel. So Vacation Simulator opens it up a little bit. Um, and it's pretty much, it's very familiar. If you play Job Simulator, this is a very familiar game. Um, Steve, I'll go over to you first. I don't know how much time you spent on this one, um, but give us your initial uh, thoughts on this. 
Um, it's it's job simulator. It feels like job simulator uh, on the surface. Uh, a lot of the mechanics, just the the overall vibe, the comedy, the um, uh, just just the the total feeling uh, feels a lot like job simulator. Except you're on a beach or uh, on a countryside and uh, stuff like that. So that's on the surface. I think deep down though, I think the game is different because. Um, this game has you collecting memories. Um, you know, you're on vacation to make memories and, and you, you collect these memories to unlock other, uh, portions of the game. And, um, the, in job simulator, uh, and it's been a real long time since I went into job simulator, but from what I remember in job simulator, right, right from the onset, you could choose if you wanted to be the cook or, uh, work in the office and all that, like from the get go. So this one sort of shoehorns you in, like when you boot up jobs or vacation simulator, you're going to have to go to the beach. Now it's not a bad thing. Uh, the beach may be the, the better one. I haven't spent as much time in any of the other areas. Um, but, but just sort of high level on the surface feels like job simulator um plays a lot like job simulator with one of the big difference being the the memories and having to unlock uh other content yeah the um i, I suppose that the main thing to get to on this and anthony I'll, I'll go over to you after after i've asked this question but the main thing that a lot of people will comment on this is when job simulator was first launched back in 2016 it was the early days of vr and we didn't have a lot of high quality high polished games that were coming out at that time and job simulator did stand out it stood out for me and i really enjoyed playing through that it didn't take long it was only sort of an hour an hour and a half something like that to play through it um and my kids continually play it you know my daughter for example i'll say do you want to play some vr and she'll automatically it's, it's automatic it's not even like we, there's any choice it's simply job simulator uh, she'll choose the kitchen or the garage and that's that's her definition of vr honestly um but at that time it was probably a little bit easier to stand out in this time and i think we probably all had this hesitation in the lead up to the launch of this game what can they do to make it to elevate it to that that next level which it really needs to be do you think they've achieved that initial thoughts on jobs uh, vacation simulator yeah i mean you know um it's weird because you hear other people talk about this game and they kind of rant and rave about different aspects of it and when i hear them talk about it um what they're saying is valid uh so like the game I mean, my my ultimate take on Vacation Simulator is it's a good game. It's a it's a solid game. Everything is there. I think all the check boxes are checked. It's got good graphics, good sound effects. It's got good voiceover. Things make sense. I really like what they did with the waving mechanic. So the way they one of the one of the new mechanics that they have in this game is when you go to these different stations, there, there's a bot pretty much at every station that you go to, but the bot doesn't just automatically start talking and going into its entire routine because that does get annoying because you you know you you randomly go to a station and all of a sudden it, it, it jumps into its natural routine and you don't even have a time to you don't even have any time to like look around and kind of see what's going on and it instantly jumps into it. Sometimes there's multiple bots that are talking to you. And so what they've done this time is you can go to a station um, and you're, you're kind of looking around at stuff, you're exploring stuff, and then the bot is just there and you wave at the bot and then it like initiates the, the situation there with the bot and it, they start talking to you and all that. I thought that was a good idea. 
probably probably the biggest downside for me with this game is that it just seems kind of paint by the numbers is, is like kind of what I reduce it to ultimately. Um, I don't like, there's nothing wrong with it. it. It does everything right pretty much, but I don't have a burning desire to go to get further into the snow world or, or the uh, forest world. And Steve, actually this game is wide open. So when you get past that initial little hotel uh, resort area, and, and there's the beach and the forest and the snow, you can go to any one of them right away. The problem is if you go to the forest level, there's only like a couple of things you can do right away. And the snow level, there's only a couple of things that you can do right away. And they kind of suggest that you go to the beach level, but you can actually go to I, any of the three. You, you don't have to have five memories to get through those other two paths. I thought you, I thought, same, I, thought I tried yeah. it. There's certain parts, yeah, in each level you have to get so many memories in the main part of the level before you can progress on to certain other parts of the level. But you can, you you have um, immediate access to every single one of them, but you have to do certain things to get the extra. I must have blazed right past that, yeah. As yeah, I know, you the very, go... very beginning, they give you the one free memory, and that's how you unlock um, initially to go to the beach level. And I guess I just thought that that meant you couldn't go to the other ones, but... yeah. Hey, did you guys notice that Jeff Kanata does the voice of uh, Efficiency Bot? Like, I didn't notice it when I first played it, but then I heard a DLC episode and he mentioned that he did the voice of Efficiency Bot. Then I played it again, and now I can't stop hearing Jeff Kanata. Was the bot complaining about Donald Trump? (laughs) Pretty (laughs) much, right? um, I think Jack Septicai is a character in there as well, um, from what I saw somewhere. I don't know where where I read that, but uh, yeah. Um, they've got. I think they've got a few sort of guest voices in there. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I think um, I sort of agree with what you were saying there, Anthony. I think it's it's sort of paint by the numbers. It's not like it's it's bad. And I know my kids are going to absolutely love this. They're they've been playing Job Simulator as I've mentioned since the launch. Three years now they've been playing and they can't get enough of it. Um, but. Um, this is just adding more of those kinds of things. And they they have made it different in some ways. And I think the levels that you go into, so you only have three levels uh, on the kickoff with this game. And in the original job simulator, you had four things to play with. But I think the, the levels are far more, there's more to do in each of these levels. But they're very menial tasks. And that's the, that's the point I want to get to. It, with this game, it's almost like, I get just uh, exhausted of doing these menial tasks, which are very similar in each area. So in one area, you have to catch the butterflies. In another area, you have to catch the dragonflies. It's the same thing. And while, you know, I guess this game's just not designed for me. I think that's what it comes down to. It's more designed for a lower lower age group, maybe. Look, 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 I... I've been kind of saying that about Job Simulator for years, and you guys were pretty high on it. Like this, like this is, um, you know, and and I, like I think Vacation Simulator is exactly what Alchemy intended it to be. I think they hit their mark. I think they they accomplished exactly what they were striving for. But I've always felt that with Job Simulator, that it was. Um, while it had the humor and all that, it was it was relatively just a motion controller, pick things up and and play with them sort of just 
tech demo, and and I really don't want to reduce it to that. I'm not, I'm not harping on Alchemy in any way because I think they know what they're doing. They've set out, and and they kids love and eat this stuff up. But from from my perspective, like I was sort of bored with Job Simulator after like 15 minutes. Like I didn't even try all the different jobs, and and Vacation Simulator interests me more just because of you know you're on a beach and, and there's one part where you can go underwater which of course i love being underwater in vr um but in general it's it's this that same formula your kids are going to love vacation simulator if, if you haven't had them play it already gary mine um will as well and that's what alchemy was striving for so i can't i'm, I'm not critiquing alchemy in any way i'm just speaking from from my perspective and the things that inter interest me that it is sort of mundane and that's that's the formula though no, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think you're right. It's just that back when I first played it, I played through the whole lot of Job Simulator. I wasn't like you. I, I didn't want to give up after 15 minutes or, or stop playing. I wanted to progress and just see everything because this was the highest quality, really. I mean, it was one of the highest quality games that we had at that time. Um, and that's that's the point, really, for me. And it's not like I was going into this thinking they're going to elevate their game and to the point where it's going to appeal to me now in VR or anything like that. So I suppose from that point of view, I'm being a little bit too harsh on it. Um, and I do agree that, that this is aimed for a lower age group and it's fantastic. What they're doing is really good VR. I don't have any complaints with them uh, on a personal level. And it's just really me commenting that this is not for me now in VR. I suppose that that's my only point. I still had fun with this, like the the parts that I did play, like uh, it, I feel like we're coming off very negative and I don't know that like that's accurate. I think I think what we're saying here is like, you know, it's not the greatest thing ever. It's a good game. It does what it you know, it does what it's trying to do well. Um, but like when you're in that initial resort area. I liked that part. You know, you go into the bathroom, there, there's a mirror, you get to see yourself in a mirror, you go into the bathtub, you know, you turn the water on. It's, it's just kind of, it's, it's just kind of this thing where you, it's just experiential, you know, you just kind of go with the flow of it. You go into that other room, there's a little TV there, you turn the TV on, you get the radio, you walk around with the radio. They do pretty good 3D sound effects, especially like, do you guys notice when the bots come over to you and then when the bots leave and they go you know and, and they fly away it like has good 3d audio from that standpoint there's like some little games that you could play on like a little fake uh nintendo console that's kind of in there um lots of little things to find you have a backpack that works very well you've got a camera uh, in the game that takes little polaroid snapshots that works great you got a little video like there's lots of cool things that you can do with this and I think everything there's like, I, I can't really say anything's horrible about it. I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's missing the soul of the first one. And, but that might just be the first one was unique. I never had an experience like that ever before. Then we get Rick and Morty. Then we get this. And so it's like, yeah, I know what this is. And maybe the first one, see, Unlike Gary, I wasn't excited about the first one at all. I was like, what is this little kitty game they threw in here with uh, freaking Tilt Brush and Fantastic Contraption? That was the original bundle. You got Job Simulator, Tilt Brush, Fantastic Contraption when you bought your Vive at the very, very beginning. And um, I 
didn't even trip on job simulator. Like I was playing fantastic contraption. I was screwing around with tilt brush. I maybe tried job simulator one time, didn't really think much of it. Then I got back in it and I was like, whoa, this is way better than I ever thought it was. It's got this cool comedy vibe. Everything is so interactive. You're picking up donuts, you're eating them, you're stapling things, you're doing little things on the computer, you're checking your emails on the computer. Like how far does this rabbit hole go? You know, there, there's lots of little comedy things that are, like the devil's in the details with this game. Like you'll find these little books that are hidden places and you pick up the book, you look on the back of the book, it has messages on the front and the back. You open it up, there's some funny little things that are, and everything is robot, you know, robot interpretation of the future of thinking what humans are thinking, but they obviously get it wrong more often than not. And there's good comedy. I, I just, I, I mean, I know it sounds like we're really negative on it. It's not a bad game. I just feel like for most people out there that are in our age group, you probably want to wait for a sale maybe. Unless you're just a, like if you just love Job Simulator, you got Rick and Morty, you ate it all up and you just can't wait for more, then, you know, it's 30 bucks, which I think that's what Job Simulator was for a long time and now it came down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I just want to second that, that um, what you what you said just to go on record with it from my perspective it's not a bad game it's it's done really really well alchemy knows what they're doing it's polished it's just it's hard for me to get excited about it due to the gameplay loop which is sort of simple um but everything else about it super polished super super well done i would say m more to like i feel like it's it's the the vr veterans that may have an issue with with a game like this because we're sort of we're over the the excitement of of being uh entertained by just being able to squeeze a trigger and pick an object up somewhat and so but i think if you if you look at all the people that are still you know trickling into vr then then you know it's a title that will be great for them uh, if you have kids it's a perfect title if you have kids like they're 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 going to eat it up so there is a community that um really wants this game and and um and it delivers like it is i i, I couldn't expect anything more from a vacation simulator uh title the makers for of job simulator like I, I don't know what else they could have done so they've they've delivered they've checked all the boxes hit all the bullet points it's just what does it mean to to people like us Exactly, yeah, and I think that that it's, it's a little bit unfair of us to judge it on the level that we are judging it on because we are we know the people watching this show live or people that are probably listening to this are VR enthusiasts. They're not necessarily the target audience for this this game um, at this point in VR. So we're trying we're trying to bridge that gap by judging it on that level, but also acknowledging the fact that this is probably more suitable for. Um, you know your your kids if you're a vr enthusiast you want to get your kids in then that, then it's a great game for that and again yeah just to uh, acknowledge what the other two guys have said I, I agree i think um there's it's not doing anything incorrectly or badly it's it's a really good uh game but it's limited in certain ways which will appeal to a, a certain market I, I suppose one last quick thing i'll say before we move on to the next game is um if you're interested in Vacation Simulator and kind of what Alchemy Labs did and all of that, check out the most recent episode of Voices of VR podcast because they talk to like two of the main guys there at Alchemy Labs about making this. And when I heard that, 
it actually made me want to play the game more that they were talking about how they did the hand waving thing and just some of the little basic things that they do and all of the things like there's so many things that could go wrong in this game and they have to like figure all that out. And so there's a lot more that goes into the making of something like this than you might think. It's just a good podcast to check out if you want to know more about it. Before before we jump off of this, um, Strong Pillow in chat, in chat mentioned it's the perfect quest game. And I was um, out, out of town for work, so I was sort of in and out of the news this week. Did it get confirmed that it's coming to Quest? Yeah, but you know what? It's coming to Quest later this year, but Job Simulator, the original, is going to be maybe right at launch for Quest. So, but but to Strong Pillow's point um, is that it's a perfect Quest game, and there's going to be people with the Quest. Ideally, it's Oculus's intent. There will be people that get a Quest that have not played Job Simulator or Vacation Simulator, and may be experiencing this type of content for the first time. So, some of that has to fuel what Alchemy was doing when they laid down the the path of of creating jo- uh, Vacation Simulator. Yeah. And, you know, you also said it's perfect for kids, but you know what? It's also good for like grandma and stuff like that, you know, because I mean, how many people put like their mom or somebody in the little cooking thing of Job Simulator? You know, it's good for that. I put my grandma in Fallout 4 and Elite Dangerous. She picks it up. No problem. (laughs) No learning curve. Okay, uh, well, let's move on from that then. Um, I did want to quickly thank uh, Andrew King and also Robert Stonechak for their uh, Super Chat contributions. Very much appreciated. Uh, But the next game we want to get into here is Ghost Giant. Um, This is by Zoink Games. It's for $20. I don't know the UK price on this one, unfortunately. I guess around £15. Um, But this is a PSVR game at the moment, although I believe I've read somewhere that it's a timed exclusive, so it might be coming to PC at some point. Um, And yeah, this this, this has been a big release this past week because it's been getting a lot of coverage in IGN and some of the mainstream games media uh, uh, outlets, really. So um, it's all good stuff. Um, Steve, let me go over to you first on this one. So Ghost Giant, I don't know how much time you spent on this one. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was super cute, super adorable, charming. Uh, I thought the graphics um, were were really cool uh it's on playstation vr so i I would actually love to see this on pc see what it looks like when you get past the uh, resolution limitation of playstation vr but it's got a it's got an art style that um reminds me of of this playstation vita game that came out a long way way back um i think it was called paper Uh, i can't think of it but like you would the the touch sensor on the back of the vita you could poke holes in the paper and stuff in the environment the little platformer um but it, I, I really, really, really love stuff that looks like this. Um, Astrobot, uh, Moss, uh, Ghost Giant is like right in the camp of, of, in terms of charm and feeling and presentation, as as all of those games. Um, now the gameplay, you know, if if I'm gonna put in the category with Moss and Astrobot, the gameplay it's a uh, puzzle uh you are a ghost a a giant ghost that only the uh little character um can see tearaway someone strong pillow tearaway that was the name of the game i couldn't think of on playstation vita um and you you interact you help this little 
this little character through the through the world uh, by manipulating the environment. So you you poke things, grab things, move things, um, and and that's the crux of it. So um, I think you know before I'm not going to rant on this for, for a long time, I'll send it back to you guys and we can go back and forth a little bit, but, uh, high level, lots of charm, really cute. Uh, graphics are great. Presentation is awesome. Super polished, but in the same way, in what we just came off of vacation simulator, it feels a little simple. Like, like I, at no point have I struggled with any of the puzzles. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking that this may be another game that will, will entertain my kids more so than me. Um, so if I'm going to bring up Moss and uh, Astrobot in the same breath uh, as Ghost Giant, I will say that I like Moss and Astrobot more, uh, both of them more than I do Ghost Giant. But um, at 20 bucks, I, I, I definitely recommend it. Like, I think it's a good game to experience. Hey, Steve, real quick. Do you know what little uh, stage or level you got to before you stopped playing? Uh, the one with the crane and the boat. I think it's scene six, scene five, something oh. like that. <clears throat> OK. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think um, it's important to make the difference between when you compare these games to like Moss and Astrobot. It's the fact that this is a motion controller game. You play this uh, this character but you don't have direct manipulation or control over the the little the little character that you see within this scene in the same way that you do with Moss and Astrobot. Um, so the the game is different. I mean, it really is different to those types of of things. It's it's similar in the sense that you have this diorama scene that you can peer into and do various things, and it's similar to Moss because very similar to Moss. In fact, in in terms of the aesthetic, you you appear as this kind of ghost which is blue in color and you can manipulate various things in the scenery um but you don't have that direct manipulation and control of the main character which uh, you're you're observing really in the same way as moss but the game so it's based around sort of little puzzles and it's almost like a, an escape the room game you have to work your way through each of these little individual puzzles and then you'll move on to the next scene um and i had a great time in it in this again i you know, I'll, I'll mention my daughter because we played this yesterday um, and I couldn't get her out of it. We played it again earlier today and um, she absolutely loved this. And I think it's got a lot of appeal in terms of the types of puzzles. Like Steve was alluding to, the puzzles are not anything that will tax you for too long. Um, although I, I will admit, you know, I got stuck in a couple of places because there's certain things you need to do in order to uh, trigger certain other things. And by the time I got to that, that scene that you were talking about, Steve, with a crane, uh, the were a couple of things like releasing those cogs and getting those cogs out of I, I did you know it took me it wasn't straightforward it took me a little time of time to work through those um and i think it's got a lot of uh, the atmosphere itself is is really good in this game um uh yeah well let me pass it over to anthony anthony what did, what are your initial impressions on this yeah well going into the game i i got to admit that my expectations were probably skewed a little bit from hearing upload VR's review and push squares review. Like, like this game has gotten like nines out of tens. And, and some people have ranted and raved and said like, this might be the best PlayStation VR game ever. And, you know, things like that. And so I'm hearing that and I'm like, you know, I played this at GDC and it was pretty cool when I played it, but I don't know about all this, but then, you know, you're hearing all these reviews everywhere. So there must be something incredible going on here. And then I went into it and it, 
I like it. I, I like the game. It, I mean, you guys have said everything already. It, it's charming. It's this creative little world that that wraps around you. It's a little more similar, I think, to Moss than, say, Astrobot. Because, Ast well, I guess Astrobot kind of wraps around you, but not quite as much as Moss. Moss wraps around you a little bit more. And I think this game kind of, the, the idea is you're going to be seated in VR and so when you're playing this, I mean, most people are going to be sitting down and you're in VR and you're, you got your, well, you actually got your move controllers here, but they kind of think, okay, well, you're seated. So we'll just kind of wrap this world around you. And then you can hit like the little X and circle button and you could cycle this way or that way if you need to. And that was well done. And just the diorama that they put you in. And I also think they did a really good job with the production value because you're, this is more story almost than a game, I think. I, I think the reason people are like, some people are falling madly in love with this game and considering it one of the best PSVR games ever is I think these are more story-based gamers. And so like story is like a really huge thing for them. And then also this story, I'm not going to spoil anything and I'm not even far enough to know, but it seems like this story touches on certain... Um, subject matter that maybe is a little bit unusual for video games and it's kind of like a little interactive cartoon like this could be like a little movie that you're watching where it's like a little you know it's a little cartoon but you're in it you're involved with it um i felt like the ghost giant hands like you look at your hands the translucent quality of them and the way they look is very solid and it's not it's you know it, it works really nice you've got pretty much limited controls with just the pointing and the pulling um but basically uh, what a, one other thing i wanted to be, oh one other thing i wanted to mention too is like when your little character lewis not your character but the character you're interacting with lewis will go into different rooms or or someone's house or something and i thought it was cool because you're in this diorama world of like some little city in France or something like that, right? And it's got the architecture and everything's paper craft. Like you even look up at the clouds and the clouds are like on a string and it's and you can like hit the clouds and the clouds sway, you know, and everything is kind of magical. The bushes, you want to grab them, pull them, slap everything, hit everything. Little things pop out of it, little things that you wouldn't imagine. And sometimes it helps you solve those those puzzles. But Lewis, you got all these things going on, like a shopkeeper over here, cars driving way in the background that you hear drive by. And then Lewis walks into a house, and what they do is they basically darken everything else and quiet everything else down. And it's kind of like you're in a play, you know, and the spotlight shines on the house. And then you have these levers that you activate, which like, zzz, you know, it turns the house around. Now you're seeing inside the house and you're getting the little conversation that's going on with this other person. You find out more about this character. A lot of people, I'm, you know, this is very early in the game, but you find out that um, this, this character's mother needs to pay a lot of money for different things. People are waiting for their money. Like, where's the check? You know, what's going on? Um, and so you, you get these little stories that are going on at the beginning it's charming and you know, it's 20 bucks, but I do know there's going to be some people that get this and they're going to be like, what the F like, what is this? You know, so it, it's going to appeal 
to a certain kind of person and other people might not appeal. And then for the graphic horrors out there, one thing I will say for the graphic horrors, if you look way off in the distance, it definitely has a Vaseline look on the far background, like a Vaseline smear. And then even in like the foreground and all around you, like the rooftops and the signs and like fences, any, it, there's a lot of shimmery, shimmery stuff that's going on. But I, I mean, you, ignore that after two minutes you're in the story you're in the game it's fine but i mean if you take time to look out and look at everything you'll notice screen door effect and you'll notice all these little things well i think you're noticing the the limitations of the psvr and, and if the game comes to pc uh, and i don't know the publishing arrangement with sony or anything but if the game comes to pc a lot of that's going to be resolved so um the developer i i think artistically i think this game is gorgeous i really love the look of it uh some people in chat are saying that we shouldn't be too harsh on it we shouldn't compare it to astrobot um and i, I guess i got that started so i'll take take credit or blame for that in, in that um, my comparison was probably just more so for the the third person view into the small world and the and the charm and the cutesy sort of thing they're going for um, I will say I haven't experienced uh, as far as I've gotten um, I, I don't feel like I've the the story has clicked with me and I, I read somewhere that the game was about two hours long and so uh, I feel like I played for about an hour. So I thought maybe I was like maybe halfway ish through. Uh, so maybe there's more uh, story, uh, you know, the the emotional tugs at your heart that, that a lot of games and, and content can do that maybe I haven't seen that will will make me feel a, um, a lot more positive and may push me into that nines and tens uh, review sort of uh territory like right now i still think it's really good and it's only 20 bucks like if this thing was 40 bucks i'd feel different about it but at 20 bucks even with as much as i played i think it's a it's an absolute buy like i think it's really good so i'm not saying it's bad it's just for me it's more in the eight than a nine you know out of ten um so so maybe as i finish it and i'm definitely going to finish it maybe it'll cross into that nine or ten category uh gary how far are you since you said that you played it a long time with your daughter yeah, no, so she played it, um, we, we were sort of taking it in turns, uh, my daughter and, and my son as well. So we're only actually on around scene seven, I believe, something like that. So only sort of a, a scene or two after where you are, Steve. Um, but the that was one thing I wanted to hit on. Uh, Anthony, what, what point are you in this game? Because what, one okay. of the things, yeah, go ahead. Well, I could tell you exactly where I am. It might be like minor spoilers for people that haven't played it, but I'm not as far as you guys. Like I'm on level four or five or something. Okay, so I'm at this part where there's there's a bridge and there's like these um, nonconformists, like three characters that are on the <laughs> yeah. bridge, right? If you listen okay, to what then, they say, they're awesome. They're like talking about things, being bougie and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, wait, am I in love with this guy this week or the other guy? And, and the other guy's like, you're not in love with either of us. And then, um, so there's this house, there's a house that's right near that where it's like a painting thing and you see painting stuff. And I see something coming out of the side of the house, which I know I have to do something with that puzzle. And there's a paintbrush and a bucket and there's like a motorcycle that has smoke coming out of it. And I've done a million. I don't know what to do. I'm so that's where I'm stuck. But but one thing I'll mention just in terms of being stuck and like puzzles is somebody will say this is two hours, 
But I don't know. It's up to the individual person. You know, it might be two hours if you're just hitting each puzzle and and you don't ever get stuck at a puzzle. You get stuck at a puzzle. It might be a lot longer than two hours because I've already been stuck at a couple of puzzles. There was one puzzle where you tickle the character. And so I tickled the character and I tickled the character but nothing happened. And then so I was like, okay, well, I tickled the character. Ah, I guess that didn't do it. So then I'm looking around the level trying to do other things. And then and then I was like stuck and I'm stuck and I'm stuck. And I'm like, well, maybe I need to tickle the character longer. So I went back and tickled the tickled Lewis longer, 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 tickle, tickle, tickle. And then finally it triggered the thing that needed to happen. And then I was like, ah, that's really weird that I would have had to tickle that character that long to trigger the little thing that ended up happening. And so like, if I did want to go negative on this game and this is just the way these games are, there's going to be arbitrary puzzles. I think where some people might immediately think of it. Other people might not. And uh, you know, your, your mileage is going to vary with that. Yep. Um, one other thing, sort of a, a experience tip. The only, I, I got stuck in one spot and, and not very long. I knew what to do, but um, this game, like um, London Heist, can use the mic. Needs to use the microphone. Uh, apparently, my microphone in my PlayStation VR was muted, and I'm doing what it wants me to do, and it's just not triggering what happens. And um, yeah, just make sure when you when you boot this game up that your microphone isn't on mute because um, you you might be stuck for a moment like I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it does some interesting things, definitely. Um, just have a sip of that. <laughs> <laughs> we we sort of, uh, I guess we can go into that, Gary. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you might want to stand up, Gary, or just give him, a better view, give him a better view. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple people in chat already uh, pointed out that Gary's wearing a VR Roundtable t-shirt, and uh, I think we had a, a, a bit of miscommunication because I didn't think we were going to unveil merch uh on this episode but here we are uh we will be rolling out here soon uh coffee cups t-shirts things like that and look like we're not it's it's easy to do like so it's not like i've gone out of my way and 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 developed some some high-end merch here there's there's services out there so uh uh look out for it here on the channel it'll be another way to support us uh other than super chats and and things like that we will get a cut of of any t-shirts bought um and i'm also trying to think of creative ideas other than just the vr roundtable logo like i'm pretty sure i'm going to do some sort of sarcastic variant of rifters roundtable um so uh anyways just be be on the lookout for it and uh, you'll be able to buy some both in Europe and in the U S. Hey, I think pixel rep 1989 is in our chat. Uh, you know, the lead developer, any, any little uh, tips on when that game might be coming to Oculus quest. I'm oh, Anna. Curious yeah, she that. is in here. <laughs> Hi, Anna or Anna, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the chat. Um, yeah. Let us know when that's coming to quest. Cause uh, you know, you never know. Okay, so um, let's get on to the next game. This is one I didn't play too much of, actually. Um, so Falcon Age, uh, another big release this past week for PSVR. Um, 
Now, I, the only well, we play, I played a little bit yesterday. Um, I hit a bug or something, and I couldn't continue. And I had a few other things to to do at that time, so uh, I didn't progress with it. But um, Falcon Age is by Outerloop Games. Uh, it's twenty dollars, and it's you know it's it's been a, a relatively big build up to this game. It's not just a VR game; you can also play this game flat as well. Um, so that's always worth mentioning. But uh, Anthony, let me go back to you first on this one. I think you've played a, a little bit of this as well. Yeah, yeah, I played a little bit of it. And wow, it's interesting because, you know, getting both Ghost Giant and Falcon Age kind of right at the exact same time is is when I got these. And um, so I've been going into both of them and, and they're definitely very different games. Um, so Falcon Age is, Falcon Age, you're, you're like, it's like a first person game. So you're standing up, you know, you're, you're in the game basically. And I played it with move controllers. And the idea is that it's kind of portal esque almost. in in terms of like just the world that you're in, or you're kind of in this, like, it's like you're trapped in something and you have to like complete tests and you're dealing with like robots and AI where they're kind of like judging you. And you're, you're kind of like in a prison really. Um, you start out and you're you're trying to complete these tasks. And so you go to this robot and it wants you to do this and do that. And so you go outside and you're mining ore. And I actually like the ore mechanic. I don't know if you guys like that, but like you get a hammer and you're hammering ore and you're collector collecting ore. And then you go back. And so what happens is you're probably wondering, well, how does the bird get into this? So there's like a large falcon with a baby bird and they're kind of like living in uh, this window near your jail cell, like up higher in the jail cell that you're kind of occupying, basically. And these robots, um, uh, I think a robot comes over like to clean it up and to get these birds out of there. And the robot like is almost going to mess with the baby bird. And so the mama bird is like, oh, hell no. And like dive bombs a robot and attacks the robot. But the robot explodes. I mean, spoilers, this is very, very early in the game. This is the very beginning, just so you know how you get your bird. The robot explodes. And so mama bird, you know, poor mama bird. And so the baby bird is there. And you pick up your little baby bird. And this game is adorable. You, you get your little baby bird. You bring it up. You know, you're looking at the baby bird. And you can have two move controllers. You know, you have your move controller. So you're holding the bird in one hand. And then with your other move controller, you can, like, take your hand. And you can, like, kind of feather the bird a little bit and pat the bird and be like, oh, a nice little baby bird. Now, one of the problems that I had with this game, and I'm having it throughout everything that I've played, and this is a PlayStation VR problem, but it's kind of on Outer Loop Games a little bit, in my opinion, because, you know, you're making this on PlayStation VR. You got to understand this. I believe this game is going to be coming to other platforms. And if you can wait, I think you might have a better experience in other platforms, to be completely honest, because here's the problem I've been having with Falcon Age. A lot of times this game wants you to bring your hands up here for things. Well, you bring your hands up here, and then what happens? You're blocking your freaking headset. So I, ha I had a lot of weird control issues in this game. The other problem is, is okay, so when you first start out in the game, you're like teleporting around for the most part. And then you can go into your options, and you can turn teleport off, and you can choose smooth locomotion. And so I did that, 
and it was working really great. And I was hitting the move button and I was moving really fast. You can slow it down if you want. You can slow down your speed, but I was moving really fast and it was free locomotion. But I kept having this issue where I would hit the button and, and I'd be going backwards and then I'd be going forwards and then I'd be going backwards and then I'd be stuck in geometry. And a number of times I was so stuck in geometry that I had to actually go into the options and I had to click on, um, I had to turn teleport back on just so I can teleport out of the geometry that I was stuck in. So that was some of the irritations that I've had with this game. But there's there's something here. I don't know. I'm You know what? I'm still at a point with this game. I can't make a decision on this game because I'm still early in it because I've gotten past like that initial opening area and you're like traveling off into the great, you know, the... You're like basically out there in like the Grand Canyon or Utah or Arizona is kind of like the the vibe that you get. And it's a cool vibe. It's like this desert vibe, salamanders and, you know, tundra and stuff like that. It's a, it's a cool vibe. But like getting out of there, I don't know if you guys experience this, but like walking and walking and walking like it took forever. Like I don't know how many bridges I crossed and stuff just to get out into the great wide wide open. And it's like, is that really necessary to make me do all of that? But, you know, um, I don't know. I've, I've got mixed emotions. I'm, I'm like enjoying a lot of aspects of this game, but the controls do not like me. I'll tell you that much. Let, let me uh, quickly just uh, jump in there. So before I pass it over to Steve, because um, I agree with you with the controls. Um, and I've, the, the reason I want to jump in now is because I've only played a very small amount of this game. Um, you know, the, the, the first 30 minutes or something like that. Um, and the controls, same as with Ghost Giant, honestly, that is another game. I have to constantly remind myself to do a forward facing thing, which we it's a limitation of PSVR. It's not a limitation of the game. It's a problem with the the hardware it's running on and um, but it's always worth mentioning that because it, it's a frustration and it's a it's an almost constant frustration with psvr and that that's the problem um but so i played this game i st open uh, started with the opening section uh, same as you anthony and you get the the bird and then i was told to feed the bird and my son was playing it before me and he had just eaten all the food himself out of the dispenser and we couldn't feed the bird so I was stuck so we either had the option of starting again um, because we couldn't get any more food out of the dispenser but then we managed to sort of glitch our way back out do a little bit more mining put some more of these um, this ore into these bins and hopefully that would give us more food but it didn't do that so it got to the point it's our own fault you know it's, it's not necessarily even a problem with the game it's a problem in some ways because we got stuck in this loop where we couldn't get out of it without restarting the game but in other ways you know we just weren't paying attention so i suppose part of it is on us as well um so i didn't play too much of it honestly but from what i did play i think there's there's i agree anthony i think there's something here i think it's unique enough to give you uh motivation to continue playing it it's it's we've not seen this kind of thing too much before in vr where you're sort of using this companion um, and utilizing it in various ways. And it's just interesting to do this. I wouldn't really want to play this flat, honestly, but in VR, it has that extra appeal to me. Um, and I think it's got something to it. And I will be going back in. I want to report back into this. I often talk about on the show how, you know, I'm going to finish this game. I'm going to talk about this again and I never get to it. But I, I do want to get back back to this game because I think it's got something. Um, but Steve, what, what did you think? Well, I 
I'm the outlier and a positive one uh, for a change. Uh, I'm not going to harp too much on this game. I did not experience any bugs. The only um, frustrating point that I experienced, and it's really no fault to the game, uh, I let my son get it started uh, while I was dealing with breakfast. And uh, I missed the part where when you mine the ore, you, you're supposed to go and drop it in the, the collection bin. And so I get in the game and I'm, I keep mining ore and I'm not completing the quest objective because in the quest objective, it doesn't stay mine ore and take it to the collection bin. Uh, so I wasn't taking anything to the collection bin. So, but again, that's, that's on me. And that's just a circumstance of letting my son get it going before I jumped in. Um, I think this game is pretty good. Now, if you had asked me, um, you know, before I played any of these games based on public reception, uh, you know, between Ghost Giant, Vacation Simulator, and Falcon Age, uh, I would have assumed that of these three, that Falcon Age would be the one that I would have liked the least. Um, in reality, it's the opposite. It's the one that I like the most of these three. Um, I think it's a really unique uh, concept. I think, um, you know, I, I haven't completed the game. I, I don't know how long the game is, but it's only 20 bucks. And so I feel like it's going to have a lot of value for its for its price. But once you kind of get through the beginning section and get past the the what is essentially the t tutorial and you get into that open world, um, you know, you get a map and there's there's markers and it, just, it, it, it seems like it's going to be a deeper experience. And I, I think it's really cool calling the Falcon to your to your hand and, and being able to interact with it. Uh, and, and I know just looking at the trailer that I haven't unlocked all the possible interactions like um, I think this game is pretty cool and um you know I, I, the um the combat so like, wait it's pretty Steve, straightforward Steve. go ahead i just um uh, so you're not experiencing any jank like that because jank is strong with this one in my opinion no i no? mean i i do i do have to um think uh, you know like, like you guys mentioned knowing the limitations of the playstation vr and keeping myself facing forward now i will say i've kept it on teleport um, which is unusual for me. I just kind of said, you know, you know what? I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deal with smooth locomotion with PlayStation Move games ever again going forward because it's just a Achilles heel for me. Um, so I, I've, I've kept it on teleport, and you know, I, I'm keeping that the, the, the scope of, of the hardware limitations and the, and the controllers and everything in mind as I play the game, um, and I'm not letting that detract from from what this game is uh do i think this game will be better on on um pc vr yes uh and i don't i have no clue on whether or not it's going to come to pc vr um but in talking about the game itself i just think i think it's unique enough i think it's doing something different and it's just purely about the falcon if i'd had a bow and arrow instead of the falcon i would be like yeah this game's kind of so so and and it's not a big deal but i think it looks good i think there's enough of a story there there's some voice acting it's it's, it's not over overly done like a full on triple a uh major game would be um the combat is is straightforward um but the the falcon being able to hit and then and you kind of go in and finish the enemies off with melee. Um, I think I think this is a good a good game, and it, it's only twenty bucks. We got to keep that in mind. It's a brand new game, and it's only twenty bucks. That means in the not so distant future, it's going to go on sale for probably fifteen bucks, maybe ten bucks. And I think it's pretty damn cool. So so of, of the three kind of main games we've talked about, Falcon Age, Ghost Giant, and Vacation Simulator, this is surprisingly, and, I, and again, I wouldn't have predicted it coming into playing these titles. That uh, this is my pick of the lot. Oh, good stuff, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not negative. I mean, I'm negative on the jank. I'm not negative on the game. I like the game. But, you know, one of the things that Steve mentioned here is, like, you call your falcon, like, to call your falcon over to you. It says, put your hand up to your face and block your headset lights. I mean, is basic, like, put your hand up to your face and, oh, you just blocked your headset lights and now it's, like, janky and things are, like, I, there, there's, so just, I there's a got, lot of jank, man. I haven't gotten to a point where I've had to bring both hands to my face. Is that is that, like, a... Uh, uh, some different type of falcon call. Like you bring no, one, no, it's you just kind of bring hand, one up, but, yeah. and and I don't go all the way to my face. I just kind of get it, you know. It just it just whistles. Um, so I don't know. It's in, but I do have. Where's your camera pointing? My camera is up high, pointing down. And I also play this game standing. I have. I didn't do it sitting. Yeah. I well, see the thing. One of the things Gary said, and and I did want to comment on this, but I I wanted to let Gary finish his thoughts, and then I forgot about it. But Gary, a little bit earlier, he mentioned that, you know, PlayStation VR tracking, this is what you have to deal with. And I kind of disagree with that because I've had a lot of PlayStation VR games where I didn't notice any problems with any tracking. And it was a smooth as silk experience. And I didn't have any of the jank that other people have experienced. Because I've always, I mean, one of the things I've noticed a lot of times around the internet reddit different forums and stuff people talking about oh playstation vr the camera is awful the tracking is awful i can't play that game it's a busted experience and it's always made me like what like what's going on with these people's setups that, that's not going on with mine because i've had perfect experiences with psvr where everything worked flawlessly and so because gary was saying well you know i'm not going to put this on outer loop games because it's a playstation vr problem and I'm gonna, and I'll say, yeah, but also I've seen other games where everything was freaking flawless. So something, something about this game, they keep like even when you get into the menu. For example, you open up your menu in this game. When you open up your menu, you hit the button. The menu goes up here, and and to like to to change something in in the menu. Like you can't keep your hand down here and aim for the like objectives and options. You can't keep your hand down here and do that. You actually have to lift your hand up and point to the individual things. Once again, where are you raising your controller to? You're raising it in front of your head. You're blocking camera lights in the front of your head. Developers need to understand, do not block your head, period. You just, that, you wanna talk about a limitation for PlayStation VR? That's the limitation. Do not design a game with elements where you're putting your hands up here because everything goes wonky and it's frustrating as hell. I like Falcon Age. I like this game. I'm going to I'm going to fight through the poor controls, but you know one thing I am going to do? I'm going to do a let's play for this game and it's going to be a let's play where I talk about the shitty ass controls. I'm, I'm well, I mean hopefully it won't be shitty when I do it, but if it does, I'm going to talk about all the problems with the controls and I'm going to say, "Hey, watch this video and tell me I'm lying because my hand is like going off over here, it's going off over there." Can you can you play this game on DualShock? Because I assume you can if it's a, just a, a flat game as well. So maybe you can do that in, in VR. I don't know. Um, At some because... point, wasn't Sony saying that all PlayStation VR games, you know, like they weren't going to force you to use the move controllers and all that? But I have to imagine they've, they've abandoned that notion because uh, Beat Saber with the DualShocks, it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's true. The... Um, the 
I, I I will say like to to Anthony's point about controllers coming to your face. I'd say that extends past PlayStation VR because most headsets, I believe, going forward for the most part, are going to be inside out, and and that's the same problem. You know, you, you bring the controllers and and you get too close to the cameras. Um, but it's also a limit when you think of a game like Creed, where you sort of need that mechanic. You need you need to be realistic like a boxer and bring your controllers up. So I, I don't know how they get around it. And this is just a you know it's a it's motion controllers are great. Everyone loves motion controllers in VR. It's amazing. It's awesome. But there are costs. No free lunch. And and this is the type of thing that comes with it because um, in the real world when you're when you're doing things and, and interacting, sometimes you bring your hands close to your face. The, the, the thing is, yeah, PSVR, so whenever I play a game, whenever I think I've got to use the PSVR motion controllers, the move controllers, my heart sinks a little bit. I've got to be honest. And it's it's all like these these games this week, Ghost Giant, Falcon Age, both use the move controllers. And I love PSVR. I love playing a lot of these games with DualShock. Um, you know, most of the time when I have the option, I will play with DualShock on pretty much any PSVR game because I really dislike the move controllers. They're not fit for purpose, in my opinion. And again, you know, I've said this numerous times that the further I go on, the further I use them, the more I think they're not fit for purpose. We'll we'll see. And I, I think uh, we'll be getting a PSVR two at some point anyway. So hopefully they'll completely change the tracking method they're using. Can you imagine hey. how how much better and how close sony probably could have been except they had that infrastructure with the existing camera and move controllers out there they were probably very close to being able to pull off an inside out and if playstation vr had inside out tracking it would have been a much much better experience even with the same move controllers it still would have been a, a better experience i think hey gary real quick in chat kev gret says red matter equals perfect psvr tracking did you ever try red matter on psvr Yes, I did. Yeah, I think uh, that might have been a game where you had the option. I'm sure I would have tried it with both Move Controller and DualShock if you had the option to do uh, DualShock. I'm not sure. Um, it was a long time ago, so I can't remember that specifically. But what one point I wanted to hit on is that I do have my camera placed up high um, as well because that is a big deal and it just separates the, the, the tracking method. But I don't know if there's any difference like because all of these games must be built on the infrastructure of what PSVR is offering in terms of tracking. The games themselves are not necessarily doing things other than the things you, you alluded to, Anthony, like placing menus in, in the correct location so things don't get blocked. But but they must just be built on just a, a pipeline of tracking that Sony have set in place anyway. So I don't see there being one game being exceptionally good tracking another game being exceptionally bad tracking but there unless, are but there yeah, are but, that's the problem there are but why would that be i don't understand why that would be unless they're doing specific things like the menu placement and stuff like that i can understand that but but other than that why would certain games have better tracking other I than think processing play, play I've, heard, I, I've heard that um i've read i shouldn't say that i've heard i've read that um a, a, a different, a differently loaded game that that may task resources higher can impact tracking. So, so that you, and I'm speaking specifically to PlayStation VR, but I'm, I'd imagine it matters for Quest and, and and Go and 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 other platforms where your resources are limited. But unless it's offloaded and is in in sort of in a dedicated lockdown 
part of the of the SDK and the tool set, um, there may developers may have to balance um, the resources dedicated to tracking versus dedicated to to run the the, the game they've created. Uh, and I've I've seen reference to that, and, I, and I'm not a developer, so I don't know through direct experience. But I've seen reference to that in discussions on on message boards and such, where this this issue has been brought up with inconsistency. In, in PlayStation VR games where some games are just sort of locked in and run really well and, and other games it's sort of all over the place. It, it, it seems to suggest some truth to that and that the developers uh, are, are, are have some leeway there that it's not just a fixed lock constraint by Sony itself. So uh, Anna is in chat uh, still and she said um, we had to change on level 2 shooting pigeons attack on PlayStation to avoid holding the DualShock up high and lose the tracking. So we ended up using the gaze to move the player's hands to aim instead and I, and I distinctively remember that as a second level uh, on pixel rep so developers are aware and we have one in chat telling us about it right now of the limitations um, but be very curious if if there are resources at the system level that can vary between uh, some content that, that somehow more higher end games may may steal resources from the tracking overhead. I also think you get an internal developer like London Studio or Supermassive Games, right? Okay, so Supermassive Games did Tumble uh, VR, and they also did Rush to Blood. And both of those, you're using move controllers, never had a problem with either one. London Heist on PlayStation VR Worlds, you're using move controllers. I had no problems. I, what I'm trying to say here is I think um, yeah, I mean, well, what Steve just spoke to that, that's a part of it, but I also think it's like developers, how, how much play testing are you doing? Some of these developers, you know, they're putting games out on multiple platforms. This is just another skew to them. They're just trying to get it, you know, they're trying to get it up and running and they might not have a dedicated team that is like trying to iron out every little problem. Camera placement is an issue, but I've always thought that I mean, I've always been pretty adamant about proper camera placement, and I usually have good results there. I I, I just disagree a little bit with Gary, though, because Gary almost has the the view of, like, Jeff Gersman, where it's like, PlayStation VR, garbage, just write it no, off. No, 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 that's not fair, because I, I think that the tracking method is flawed, and it's mainly because it's, it's front-facing. Most of the time, I have okay tracking, but it is flawed, and there's always a slight delay with move controllers and stuff like this. Whenever you just rotate them, even, they're based on old technology, and, and it's not fair for me to sort of, uh, sort of, just say that they're, they're all of the games that use move controllers are not good because that you know it's not fair and it does make sense i suppose it's certain games if they're uh making priority over certain other aspects rather than tracking then yeah that that does explain it I, I guess and i didn't necessarily think of that immediately so that that does make sense um but you know what do we think what like like playstation vr2 what is the tracking method it has to be inside out tracking surely doesn't it <laughs> I would be completely floored if they did some sort of sensor or, or, or external camera again. Like I, it would just completely shock me. So I'm going to worry my money on inside out. The worry is when did they start on that though? Because now that you see the quest and you see the rift S it almost makes the valve index seem behind the times by using lighthouses a little bit because it seems like, oh, we've now, especially with this fifth camera on the top, you know, and 
it seems like, oh, we've now reached a level now where it should be inside out from this point forward pretty much. But but you don't know when they really started heavy, heavy development of this, maybe even before that era really began. Well, I said it on our last show, and, and I don't expect Sony to ever do it with a with a console, but um, I think the best answer is to have sort of a default inside out. So the, the Valve Index, for example, is a great starting point. I would love to see that be an inside out headset with the tracking sensors, and then people can augment it by buying external devices if they're crazy enough to want to go through the steps of putting something on their wall to get that extra coverage for playing a title like Onward or, or, or something that needs full body VR chat, something like that. Um, you know, sort of make it an option because if, if you can't have the standard requiring someone to screw stuff up on the walls, like that, that's a given, we see that. So, uh, but inside out has its own limitations. So instead of, of, of having to choose like, you know, one or the other, no, you, you, you have a, a baseline and, the, and then let the power users spend more money and augment. Okay, yeah. So, um, well, let's get on to a few other things that you want to. Uh, so, the, the the main topic, um, well, one of the topics we've got, we've got a couple of little news stories we want to get to afterwards. But um, the other thing we want to mention is Nintendo Labo VR. So, I picked this up on Friday. Um, I got a Nintendo Labo VR, which was just the starter kit. So, with this starter kit, you just get the goggles and then like a blaster. And uh, we uh, set aside a little bit of time yesterday uh, to assemble this with my children. And um, they were holding me up. They were really holding me up. Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty sure I would have got it done a lot quicker if they weren't there. But um, I'm trying to, uh, you know, get them involved in this kind of stuff and uh yeah so we made the vr like that just the headset part of this first um apparently i've heard that the the blaster takes a long time to build so we've we've not even attempted that yet we didn't get to that point but there's a lot of games on this um pretty straightforward so you follow the video on the nintendo switch you you slot in a, a game uh, card and then you just follow the videos to assemble this and then you're guided through and then you've got these games that are open to you and the, the good thing is you know i expected maybe like five six games or something like that with this pack but you do get a lot of little mini games which you can use with the uh, switch and this is just actually just the 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 vr headset itself it's not even including the blaster uh, portion of it um, and these mini games are very, very mini. You know, they're they're not. There's not a lot to them at all, but they're relatively impressive. And you can understand that Nintendo have not thrown this out there to die. I don't think they've done that. I think they've they've tried relatively hard to get a, a decent experience. Um, the main thing, I, I I don't see why I should bury the lead on this. I think the main thing, the main drawback is the lack of a low persistent screen on the Nintendo Switch. It, it makes a big deal. So whenever you move the headset around, you get a lot of blurring uh, on the on the VR headset, um, which is all down to the fact that it doesn't have low persistence. And even like the resolution, see everybody's, whenever we talk about this, everybody highlights like resolution, frame rate, and this kind of stuff. Frame rate, resolution, or they're not great, but they're so certainly not the worst thing about this headset. The worst thing is the lack of a low persistent screen um, and the movement, the blur, whenever you move your head in this. But taking that aside, because you can easily take that aside, as my kids did, they absolutely love this. We finished, we finished 
building this and I couldn't tear them away from it. These little mini games are not anything that's going to keep you for any length of time. You know, you're you're in this this scene which is sort of smashing blocks or manipulating gravity and all of this kind of stuff. And what Nintendo are doing, it's almost like they're aiming for a completely different category. They're calling it VR. This is not VR to me. This is just a fun little addition to a Nintendo Switch that you can buy. And it's great. I mean, it really is fun. It's it's a great thing that they've achieved, but it's not what I would consider VR necessarily. And that's the difficulty I have when I'm talking about it on VR Roundtable. Um, I think it's, it's good what they've done, but to me, virtual reality is placing you within a virtual world. It's, it's, it's doing things that you can't, it's placing you places you can't ordinarily go. And this device is based around little fun games. And that's all it's trying to do. And it achieves that in, in most respects, I would say. Um, so the blurring is the main disadvantage of it. Other than that, resolution is not a problem because the, the games are based around that. Um, and yeah, pretty much everything else. I I think they've done a great job on this, but I wouldn't categorise it as as VR. And that probably sounds a bit harsh, but um, you know, that's just honestly how I feel. So let me. So you're getting a lot of questions in chat, and and I've not seen anybody cover this and actually and get into some of the the physical details. So, um, what what are you know what are the lenses like? What is the field of view? That's questions coming up a lot. It's a big big Nintendo Switch screen. You know, is the is it bigger field of view than the oculus rift it wouldn't surprise me if it was somehow um so kind of just get into what's all that like you, you touched on low persistence which is a very very good point that most people i, I don't think will necessarily uh pay attention to or pick up on uh and and in fact when i heard you mention it um that that tells me that yeah that it would explain significant blurring uh because carmack has tweeted recently of how the 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 rift s and the um go or or about half the persistence i think of the of the original rift and the quest so um just yeah kind of tell us for for the nerds that that um want to know all about the 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 tech specs yeah so the lenses are actually really big in this thing uh they, they are huge um so the lenses are fine the sweet spot is relatively big um, the field of view it's almost like the same shape to me, it looks like the same shape as, as the Vive. When I had the Vive, it's got that kind of oval shape, and it's pretty much the same field of view as the Vive as well, because you've got, like you mentioned, Steve, you've got this big screen that they're working with. Um, so field of view is not a problem or anything like that. And when, when you take that into account, the fact that the resolution doesn't really affect me as much as I expected it to, I think that's quite impressive, um, because I think the... The resolution is not good, but the problem is, as a VR enthusiast, you go into this and you expect what you expect, and you understand that this is a low-resolution screen, you understand that it, the frame rate is not necessarily going to be going good, and you go into that with that, that level of expectation. But when you find that the field of view is comparable easily to Rift and Vive, and the... Uh, the frame rate and the resolution doesn't really bother you too much, then it, it, it really comes down to these other aspects like the low persistent screen um, and stuff like that. Um, one thing I wanted to say is that, that like it doesn't feel like 
again, they've not thrown this out there to die. It does feel like they've put a fair amount of effort into this. And this is one of the most interesting things to me. When, when I consider that they've created this as a Labo device, you know, a cardboard, it, it tempers expectations. It's relatively low cost. I mean, it's £35 over here. And if you've already got a Nintendo Switch and you've got even a mild interest in seeing stereoscopic 3d representations of games again i don't really want to say it's vr because it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're in these worlds because you can't move your head swiftly and stuff like that but but to to have this mild interest in this um what nintendo are trying to push here um i think most people will buy it for 35 pounds why not if you've already got a nintendo switch and the other question um you know, I, I guess you guys would need to try it. But the other thing that I wanted to get onto is, is this damaging for VR in general or is it a benefit to VR in general? And this is something that people bring up all the time, like with Google Cardboard. To me, this is neither here nor there. I think it could go either way, honestly, with, with people that try this. If you have already used a VR headset, um, even briefly, and then you try this, you're not going to be impressed with it. And yet... Other people that have not tried it but are just mildly curious, they don't want to invest any amount of money or or any significant amount of money into this. And they try this and they get an understanding of what VR could potentially be, just using a little bit of imag imagination beyond this device that they're presented with. Then I think it could be a benefit. It could be a gateway into bigger VR experiences. Um, I think those kinds of things will be few and far between. And overall, this is just, a, to me, I see this as a small novelty which is not changing my mind on Nintendo's future for VR, where they see VR or, or anything like that. But um, it's, it's an interesting thing, and it's very well done. For what it's offering, it's very well done, but it's, it's got numerous limitations. So the, the question that, and I was never, I don't have a Switch, so this is sort of not going to be something that I try unless I try someone else's. Um, I, it, the, the investment there to buy a switch and everything just doesn't make sense for me. Um, but when I saw that they have um, some small experiences coming to Mario and that the entirety of Breath of the Wild is available or going to be available, I know you haven't tried it yet. But um, knowing how that game is, how you know how that game plays, third person controllers, um, how how do you anticipate that? being on this labo kit like do you do you anticipate it being something you'd want to play that way like through the whole game or or what like and do you have to modify it to give it a head strap like main fan did uh yeah i didn't know main fan did do that actually but uh yeah i'll have to i'll have to check that out but um I think so what it is when it, when you play these games in the switch you hold it up to your face and you've got the controllers here and you play through and it's not a great way to play honestly but you hold the uh the headset up now, when I think about this, like playing through Zelda, so it depends how they've implemented Zelda into this. One of the things that I thought was interesting, because it doesn't, there's a lot of questions about frame rate around Zelda, especially because that was 30 frames per second on a Switch. Um, and how can they get that running at possibly a lower frame rate? Or, you know, even if they get to 30, that's okay, I suppose. But one thing that was mentioned on Giant Bomb was what if this, like the Zelda playthrough, I think Brad on Giant Bomb mentioned this, and he said, what if the Zelda version is nothing more than a, a view mask kind of thing? It's not virtual reality. You can't move your head around. It's just giving you a 3D 
version of Zelda that you can hold up to your face. And but on a I flat hope... screen, sort of like using big screen beta or something. Well, no, what no, I think it will be I think it will be stereoscopic, but I think you won't have any sort of head motion you will still control it like a normal yeah similar but but stereoscopic i guess steve from what you were saying um what if it's that and i, I think that would be a problem because that's not again it's even further away from virtual reality um but if it turns out to be that it, it is this 3d uh version a, a virtual reality version of zelda where you can move around i don't think that will be a big problem necessarily i don't i won't want to play through the whole game in that way mainly because of how i'm holding this this thing up to my head and um, but but resolution wise and uh otherwise uh specs wise like the field of view and things like that it won't be a problem i don't see it as being a major problem from that point of view um but i don't know how long people will want to spend this the time in uh experience like that when you, every time you move your head you're you're just inundated with blur you know it's 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 all the time um so i think that that will be a problem but um you know main main fan if he has attached a strap because it's heavy this switch is heavy um but he's a tough guy anyway so he can handle it i guess but um yeah the the the, the fact is it's it's difficult to sort of put a strap around and play like that i don't know how that would work and also i don't correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if the actual imus are built into the controller or if they're built into the the switch screen part or so if you disconnect the the joy cons whether you will still have imu sort of calibration or anything like that i don't know but. i think you'd probably have to play with the pro controller and you okay. leave the little switch controllers where they are oh, because okay. otherwise like like you know how main fan made that strap and everything okay so he's got it strapped to his head that's nice but he otherwise he would still have to like keep his hands up here like this and, you know, after 10 minutes of doing that, you're going to be like, oh, my arms are killing me, you know. So you'd have to have uh, the Nintendo Pro controller. But you know what? My number one question for you, Gary, I'm looking at this trailer here and I'm looking at the experiences that they're showing in the trailer and it looks really good. And my question for you is like when you look at the video of this trailer and you've experienced some of these things. Do they really look like this? I know you say it's not really VR because you're not able to move your head around, but but graphically, is this like accurate what we're seeing here, or does this make it look way better than it really is? Well, you, you I mean, you're you know you're experienced enough in VR to understand that whenever you see a screenshot of something like that, it doesn't necessarily look like in the, like that in the headset because you've got the the low resolution and you can add the low resolution onto all of these videos and that is pretty much how it looks yeah that that that's accurate except the only point is whenever they move their head on these trailers you don't see any blur and that is the main that's my main gripe that's my main argument with it it's it's the you know the lack of a low persistent screen really i wonder so, has anybody been able to make a video of what that actually like would there be a way to make a video of that where you could actually show somebody exactly how much it's degrading when you're moving your head I don't you could think probably be... um to get an idea i'm sure someone's taken through, the, like, lens footage. Yeah, through the lens um you know I, I haven't personally searched for it so i imagine someone's got it up on on um youtube um 
What about the rumors? And we've heard, I, I don't know how confident I would be in those rumors. I, I don't know the validity around them necessarily. But what about the idea of, of a Nintendo Switch Pro that is maybe on the horizon? And if they care about VR and if they care about Labo or, or even kind of setting Labo aside, uh, someone in chat mentioned, what if they release a Labo kit just for Zelda that, which may address some of the ergonomics that we're discussing? But, um, what do you think, uh, uh, I guess really, Gary, I'll ask you, what do you think about that? Do you think if they added um, a Switch Pro that maybe had a little more fit, uh, power behind it, uh, up the resolution and uh, added low persistence, do you think that this could become a, a VR ecosystem? Based on yeah. everything else remaining the same, the lenses, the little lens slot, and, and, and mm. the, the, the physical Switch uh, unit itself? Yeah, I mean it's not it's not bad by any means. I think it's difficult. Look, you're building something out of cardboard here, and then placing a switch in it. And if you did have a higher spec screen, low persistence, and all all of this kind of stuff, I think it would make it far more compelling. But going along with that, you'd need experiences. And if they could do something like uh, that, we all want from Zelda, put that truly into VR and that kind of stuff and work out a way of doing that, then that would be great. But the, the issue is, I think you need to look at the whole ecosystem, what, what Nintendo are going for with, with this device. This is a Nintendo Labo device to experiment with VR and to put on some very, very small, very short little mini games, which are impressive nonetheless for, from what they're working on. And again, I'll go back to the fact that they have tried really hard. I, I do believe that they've tried really hard to give the best possible experience with what they're working with on this. Um, but if you were to, I, I don't see to what end, if you were to have an upgraded switch, to what end would that really make a difference? I mean, you'd have to think, okay, so I want to play Labo, so now I'm going to have to trade in my current switch, buy a higher end switch, and play these small mini games, which is almost meaningless. You know, you wouldn't do that. I certainly wouldn't do that. Um, but the, the thing is, as well, what, what what point are Nintendo going with this? Is this a, is do, does anybody think this is like a test bed for future VR products? Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, like Anthony, so could you see this as being a test bed for future VR products, testing the waters of interest in VR in general? Um, and do you see Nintendo ever getting into VR? Well, you know, someone in chat, I was trying to look for it. It was earlier in chat. Somebody mentioned that with the Quest imminent, is this Nintendo, because I've said a million times, I think the Quest is a legitimate threat to these video game companies. I really believe it is because I believe it's going to be at Best Buy and Target and Walmart and Costco. And if Oculus markets correct, if, if Oculus markets it correctly with great advertisements and, and the word of mouth and all of that, I think this might be a legitimate problem for some of these companies. And Nintendo, Nintendo especially, like they got to look at these things and they got to think two years from now, three years from now, potential threats that could come their way. And somebody mentioned, you know, the timing of this is interesting, how all of this stuff kind of came out out of the blue and then the Zelda thing and the Mario thing. And the timing is almost in such a way where if this never happened, you might have had a few. You, you might have had some Nintendo fans that maybe would see the Quest 
and they'd be like, you know what? I've always kind of wanted VR a little bit. Maybe I'll go with something like this. But now that Nintendo, I mean, I'm we're just throwing this out there, right? But now that Nintendo has kind of said, well, you know, wait a minute, maybe we've got some VR coming your way. And then we got these rumors of a new Switch. Imagine a Switch with a 1080p screen that the screen's been designed with some of these theories in mind. It's much more lightweight. Also, I don't think we always have to have cardboard. I think Nintendo could come up with some kind of special $50 thing that you would slide it in that would work very nicely, very comfortable. Um, they could get involved in this. I don't know. It's just so weird. I mean, trying to predict Nintendo is like, <laughs> it's pretty futile. Steve, what, what do you think? Is this a game? See, in my opinion, if, if they were going to really go, if they see this as a test bed for VR, then they wouldn't create another device where you just slide in a future console or a future version of a Switch. They'd have to really release a, their own headset because there's so many advantages to doing that rather than just abiding by the hardware that's in these these devices, the, the consoles that they're releasing as a sideline. Um, but what do you think, Steve? Well, like, I mean, I asked you earlier about the idea of a Switch Pro and somehow making the experience better, and and, and maybe from a from a computing perspective, it would. Uh, but I still, this is still cardboard, and yeah, I've not felt it. And maybe the cardboard is really stiff and really sturdy. But how long is it really going to last? Uh, you know, before it starts getting soft and crinkled. Um, so, all things considered, I can't ever, even with a Switch Pro, I can't, I can't see this taking off and and being some sort of um, VR competitor in a sense where someone's like i'm in the market for a vr headset i got the quest and i got the switch with labo i can't i can't really ever see that being a a decision that someone who's purely speaking from a from a vr interest would could could make with a straight face um that said is it possible that nintendo is exploring here um i i'm torn uh in, in one way it seems obvious of course they're exploring because look at this thing uh but in other ways um Labo seems like a, a very expensive accessory and it's, it's just a, a cash grab in, in and of itself. Um, I, I, I'm tempted to sort of lean that it's merely just a Labo product and that's all they've ever really intended it to be. And, you know, they, they just want to turn, turn a good profit margin because this had to cost them very little to, to manufacture and, and produce. So, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really can't, comment and it's just sort of baseless speculation we all love to speculate i love to speculate but i try to keep my speculation with some sort of evidence out there uh and and i really have none here um so yeah uh i want to try one maybe maybe i'll come visit you uh you know in the next coming months or something and i'll try it then yeah, yeah. If it's still holding together with the cardboard, um, the, get some the, duct tape, man. I can see it. <laughs> duct tape it all around. The um, yeah, I do want to just finish off by saying I think um, you know, it's not. It's it's a pretty good value product. Um, thirty five pounds to if you've already got a switch, I I recommend you know trying this thing out. It's not a big problem. You get many games included um and and this kind of stuff and then if you want to progress and get on to the other things that they're offering the uh like the the elephant edition and all this kind of stuff you can do that as well but um i think what the the price of this thing is pretty pretty good actually uh, for what it's offering okay uh well we've got a couple of uh new stories we want to get to before we finish off here um 
the first one is an announcement by Acer for the concept the o Oyo. Is it Oyo? Ojo? I don't want to get into pronunciation on this. Uh, 2160 by 2160 per I, but it also has IPD adjustment, importantly, so it separates it from the HP Reverb. Um, and that's a big deal, you know. Acer, so these screens, these panels, these 2160 by 2160 panels are really getting out there now. We're seeing uh, a couple of headsets that have been announced with these in place, and it gives us hope for, you know, high-res panels from other manufacturers as well, I suppose pose um the, the the design itself is so it's similar in spec to the hp reverb but it's got this ipd adjustment it looks very different to the hp reverb the hp reverb was very like like it looked very small honestly um even though they claim it has like a slightly larger field of view than some of the other headsets, the, the HP Reverb did look quite small. This Acer headset looks a little bit more bulky. It's a Windows Mixed Reality headset, so it's got the two cameras on front. Uh, it's also got integrated headphones as well. Um, so it looks it looks pretty cool, but it's slightly more bulky than the HP Reverb that we were used to. Um, but uh, Anthony, let me go to you first on this. What, what did you think of this announcement? And is it a reverb killer as you mentioned on your show <laughs> oh you're muted um yeah so uh it's interesting it's definitely an interesting headset so one of the other things too is like we're seeing a picture here of it and it has headphones on the side of it but the way i understand it like when they advertised it they said something about a sound pipe which I to me sounds thing. like is the same thing as these headphones or is it no 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 uh, i saw i saw the reference to the to the audio uh, pipe and then i'm looking at them looking at headphones when, when i hear yeah. audio pipe i'm thinking like the what oculus is doing with the with it kind of coming out of the headband area the temple area uh i look at that and i just see headphones so i'm confused yeah yeah so i'm thinking these headphones are optional but you know i don't know for sure the other thing too is this design is actually a snap off design where it could be used at like location-based entertainment centers and stuff where they get the fit right of, of the other part. And then they just snap the thing on. I've seen this in certain like theme parks and stuff. They have this. So this is going to be able to do that. It's not really designed for consumers. And, and we don't even know if a consumer can possibly buy this without having like a business license or something. We have no idea what the price is. But yeah, it's attractive from the standpoint that if you looked at the HP Reverb, like I was pretty excited for the HP Reverb until I watched that tested video where they interviewed the guy from Hewlett Packard and they got the hands on with it and Jeremy Williams because the the Acer uh, the the HP guy was saying, yeah, we got this really huge sweet spot and all that. And we don't think the IPD is going to be a big deal because the sweet spot's so big. But Jeremy Williams was like, I didn't notice this big sweet spot. And then also the HP guy was like, well, we cheated per eye. You know, we cheated. We took a little of the FOV away per eye because it doesn't really matter because when you combine it, it's like a perceived 114 degrees. And all of that like scares me when I hear all those kinds of things. And I'm like, you know, just give me the damn IPD adjustment. I don't want this, you know, I'm not going to trust you that you're going to make this unbelievable sweet spot that's going to work for everybody. So the idea that this has legit IPD adjustment is much more attractive to me personally. Also, you kind of wonder, well, you know, these Acer products have normally been very cheap. 
Um, I wouldn't expect this to be cheap, but maybe it could have been cheaper than the reverb. It doesn't look as comfortable as the reverb just looking at it externally. One other little thing I'll mention too, is you go back to the January Consumer Electronics Show, Road to VR was there. They, they did a story on a, uh, on a prototype headset that could connect to a phone via a USB-C connector where you could actually like do a standalone thing with it. And that was this, but it was the, it was the prototype of this. It was black. It didn't have the white front part of it. Didn't say 4k on the side of it. But if you go to road to VR now, they have a new story on it and they're like, yeah, we, we saw this in January and it was connected to, or well, they were showing it connecting to a phone, like inside a glass case, they had a phone with USB. So we haven't heard that about this yet, but that's probably another shoe that's going to drop a little bit later when we find out more about this. Another downside, though, is like we have no idea when this is coming. Are you even going to be able to buy it this year? We know that the reverb supposedly was like late April. We're still kind of waiting on that. But I, I want a 2160 by 2160 headset. I want to try one at the very least. Even if the Valve Index is like Vibe Pro Res, and everything else about the Valve Index is really great. I still would love to see one of these 2160 by 2160s with my own two eyeballs and just see, like, is this the screen door eliminator that we've kind of been dreaming of? Yeah, the um, so Steve, on, on, on this one, so with the gamut of VR headsets that have been announced over the past weeks and months, um, does this Acer headset really stand out above anything else and are you tempted by it at all well at a glance it stands out in that it, it looks to be a better option than the hp reverb on the surface um the hp reverb didn't have head no it has headphones right um so many headsets it's hard to keep them all straight um but yeah, they did, does, yeah. they, the lack of the ipd i'm thinking the rift s um so because of the ipd um you know pound for pound it looks like the acer has something else going for it um but the the reverb um you know a lot of people said it was super comfortable uh cosmetically i think the acer looks better even though it looks like some sort of contraption from the future the the hp reverb had this weird like carpet looking front to it like my god it's, it's just <laughs> it's weird like it reminded me of like the old shag carpet from the 70s now it didn't look as thick but like i don't i don't know why anybody would want like any sort of surface to look carpeted um especially on on a tech gadget it's just super weird um but you know so i i, I don't know like i i think I think um, as interesting as all the headsets and, 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 and they're all coming out of the woodwork, as interesting as it is, I think we have to all hold serve and just see what Valve is doing, see what Valve is doing. A lot of people, and I think maybe you, Anthony, you think uh, there's high chances that Valve is going to go with these 2160, 2160 screens, uh, and it's certainly possible, um, but I'm hearing a lot of rumors, a lot of people are saying that the uh, index is going to be 135 field of view horizontal, which will in my mind, I think that'll be a pretty big step up from from the Vive uh, and, and other comp and the, the Samsung Odyssey and other headsets of a comparable field of view. It'll be a, sort of like the halfway point between the Vive and, and the Pimax on normal. Uh, I'd be very interested in Index, but if they maintain 
the the Vi Pro resolution, that that'll mean that it'll be one of the worser looking uh, resolutions. You know, it'll be better than OG Rift and, and OG Vive, um, but I would imagine it would look worse than an Odyssey and a Vi Pro. So um, maybe they'll go high end on the resolution. Uh, I, I don't know, but uh, ultimately, as interesting as this Acer concept d oho um i don't know who's naming these things they you know i think the carpet guy from hp is naming acer's headset but we we all have to agree here i think that you got to wait and see what valve is doing before you can really almost get too hyped up and too excited for any one headset yep absolutely i, I agree with that okay uh well let's move on to our last little news story we've got down here and this is vader immortal so we were treated to a little trailer uh, at the star wars celebration this past week um anthony's got a little smirk on his face wonder why that could be uh so so basically the i, I guess the news that came out of this we, we, we were treated to a little bit more of a insight into the story a little bit more of what the game has to offer in terms of uh, interactivity and that kind of stuff um but also it was announced for that it will be coming out on rift as well as the oculus quest um originally um i don't know if they specifically said it was a, a quest exclusive or, or not but it was only an officially announced for the oculus quest and now it's been announced for the rift as well um but yeah i mean on, so I'll, I'll go first on this actually just very briefly i think the trailer itself looks pretty uh, i mean it looks good it does look good um I'm a Star Wars fan, okay? Now, I don't expect it to look absolutely like this in the quest or anything like that, but I am a Star Wars fan, and I just love the, the story of Star Wars and the continuing story of Star Wars. So anything, even if it's like a peripheral character or anything like that, that they're including in this, that, that's fine by me. And when this initial announcement came, I think... Um, they, because it had this like episode one and it was the first part of this story, I, I, I was always under the impression that this was going to be sort of a, a story based with some interaction in it. And this trailer seems to confirm that. And it actually seems to have a little bit more uh, interaction than I was expecting. I'm pleased you do get the lightsaber and you can do some, you know, menial things with that, I suppose. Um, and to me, I, I was I quite like this trailer. Um, I, you know, Anthony, I'll go over to you first. I think you like the trailer as well, but you, you have a specific um, angle with this anyway. What, what do you want to say? Yeah, no, it looks great. I mean, it looks it looks great. Um, it looks good. My so see the thing is, I got to admit, it's it's on me. It's my fault. I for some reason thought Vader Immortal was going to be a bigger deal, a bigger thing than I thought it was. I mean, then it turns out that it apparently is. Like, I didn't know the, about the 45-minute thing, but I don't think anybody knew about the 45-minute thing. Um, also, like, if somebody asked me, you know, how long is Vader Immortal going to be? Well, with all these Oculus Quest games, I would imagine they're all going to be kind of short the majority of them, you know? So like if somebody said, how long do you think Vader Immortal is going to be? I'd be like, eh, two hours, you know, like a two hour experience. So I never, I didn't think it was going to be like a five, 10 hour experience or anything anyway. But I also remember that at some point we heard that Ninja Theory was working with ILM X lab on this in some kind of capacity. I, I know I heard that story at one point and, you know, Ninja Theory, that's Sanua's sacrifice that is Dexed. Like they have some 
They've worked in VR before. They're an insanely talented developer. They could do some amazing things. You think about Ninja Theory with Star Wars, like this could be awesome, right? And so maybe when I heard that Ninja Theory part of it, I started to kind of like think, oh, this is like a real video game. You know, this is going to be like a real game and it's going to be Star Wars and and it's it's designed for the Oculus Quest from the ground up, you know, is what I thought. And so I thought, oh, man, this is like this is their flagship title. Like this is the flagship title. This is freaking Star Wars, Oculus Quest, Star Wars. Think of all the gaming um systems that we've got that there was a star wars game at launch you go back to the gamecube and like rogue leader rogue squadron you know sometimes you get star wars games right at the launch of a system and it's kind of a special thing um and so and ninja theory and all of this so my hype train got really revved up and and i thought this was a primetime quest game and so when this trailer came out when I started hearing people talk about Vader Immortal Rift, like I hadn't seen the trailer yet, and people were saying Vader Immortal Rift and all this stuff, and I was like, Vader Immortal Rift? Wait a minute. This is supposed to be, you know, this is an Oculus Quest game, and and this was supposed to be like a really flagship thing for the Oculus Quest. So my whole argument, like the whole kerfuffle about this, the marketing thing, I know I went way overboard, way over, like totally overboard. But I stand by my beliefs from this standpoint. This is the way I would have handled this. So imagine a scenario where we never knew that Vader Immortal was coming to the Oculus Rift. Okay, and so April 30th, the quest comes out. Vader Immortal comes out on April 30th. People are a little bit disappointed because it's only 45 minutes, but it's still Star Wars and it's got interactive segments and all of that. So think about this. All of May... All of uh, May, June, July, August, even into September, all of these months, people are playing Vader Immortal on the Oculus Quest. As far as everybody's aware, it's exclusive to the Oculus Quest. It's a feather in the cap of the Oculus Quest. It is a flagship title. It's showing off what the Quest can do. And it's a great thing. And people might say, oh, man, I wish I could play that on the Rift S. Or, or the Rift or whatever, okay, well, you got to get a quest to play Vader Immortal. So it's like that, you know, May, June, July, August, uh, into September. Then in, say, mid to late September, bam, a new trailer comes out. Vader Immortal is coming to the Rift this November. Yay! Okay, that makes perfect sense. And then everybody gets excited. Vader Immortal is coming to the Rift. Okay, now it's no longer an exclusive, but hey, it had four or five months where it was basking in the sun of exclusivity for the quest and it and it's a strong game for the quest and it kind of gave it a little bit of juice uh, the the way i look at it is like when this announcement came out it's like a balloon got popped a quest balloon got popped now maybe maybe i was wrong to put my hype in this balloon and and maybe i was wrong to think that vader immortal was like a big thing for the like maybe i was completely out of bounds thinking all of these things and like i was off on my own little world with that but i felt like when this got announced for like rift and stuff i felt like a lot of the hype just got let it like it just you know fizzled out and i do i truly do believe there are some people out there that maybe this was a decision maker for them where they might have been thinking about getting a quest and maybe Vader Immortal, like they're a big Star Wars fan and they thought that's the only place you're going to get it. And that might have been part of their impetus to buy a quest. 
Now they hear, oh, it's coming to the Rift. It's going to look way better on the Rift. I'm almost positive that trailer was Rift footage. So basically, that's my feeling on this mm. entire thing. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you on most points. I just think the the part of my thing is that like if if the people that are going to be affected by that are Rift owners currently. Okay, so you're you're focusing on the Rift owners at the moment that would potentially buy a quest for this title, and I think that's a relatively small amount of people that would do that. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think that from Oculus's point of view, they could now uh, market this in another way where they say, okay, if you're not got VR, you've not got, you, you can't afford, you don't want a PC, you don't want to get high-end VR or anything like that, you can be a person that can pick up a Quest and experience the same experience as somebody that's got a high-end VR system as well. And I think Facebook and Oculus's marketing is aimed squarely at people that do not own Rifts at the moment. They don't own uh, high-end PC VR, and that's really where this comes into into account. Um, I mean, I don't. It's not look like I disagree with what you're saying completely, Anthony, because I think pretty much I do agree with it. But I think the the actual focus of where of the number of people that will be affected by this is relatively small. Okay, wait. One last one last point. Um, we'll get off of this. Promise, promise. Okay, one last point. So why does Sony, if, if what you're saying is right, why does Sony care that Moss is exclusive for 45 days or Apex Legend? Like, like why does why does Sony have a gag order on like fast travel games and Polyarc? And all the and Falcon Age right now, like like Falcon Age is coming to all the other platforms. I'll let you know that right now. But but you won't hear an announcement about that right now. Why? Because so Sony isn't like thinking about Rift owners. You know what I'm what I'm trying to say here is okay. I know we hate exclusives and stuff, but isn't the Quest a console? Like I think the Quest is a console and I think a console needs to have exclusives because I think it needs to have an identity and I thought Vader Immortal was kind of part of that identity and so Mo like when Moss hit PlayStation VR it was on there for 45 days nobody knew nobody knew for sure that it was coming anywhere else and then bam all of a sudden it did but for those 45 days that it was only there or whatever it was on PlayStation VR there's a little bit of hype. There's a little bit of hype for that. Like PSVR owners can say, yeah, we got we got Moss. No one well, else does. The thing does. is, is though Sony wasn't doing that and, and locking something to the Vita versus exactly. the PlayStation what, 4. Exactly We're say. talking about Oculus versus Oculus, so they don't need to gag order themselves. Uh, it, it, they're still selling the game. It's still their software. I understand what you're saying about the console identity. I, I, I totally get it, but I think it's the it's the bigger play and you you know everybody in chat talking about ranthony like um and and i don't rant in the same way but that this actually speaks to the rant i made at about two months ago or so when i was moaning because at the idea that quest and rift wouldn't be cross by um this actually the fact that that vader and all these other games are crossed by that is a huge huge boon to to the the, the total oculus stack so now like and, and you've seen people talking about it in, in reddit and places like that the idea that that you can uh go buy quest now and build up a software library and then one day you might buy a rift s and then boom you have however many games 
drop dead right there. No additional pennies required. And that is much, much bigger than just one exclusive for the console that is Quest. I think that attitude and setting that framework and, and being very clear with your audience and your consumers and saying, when you buy stuff on the Oculus Quest, if you get a rift in the future, you, you're, for the most part, you're going to get all these games. Um, likewise, vice versa. You know, maybe you're not ready to jump in on Quest. You're saving your pennies, but, but don't worry about investing in the Oculus ecosystem because we're going to have you covered with the other hardware. I think that speaks far more than any one particular exclusive for, for the Quest. But that, once that, again, you're talking about existing Rift owners. Like, because what does that speak to? That speaks to existing Rift owners and is this really being marketed to exist? Like if all they're going to sell to is existing rift owners, it's already dead. But, it, but it's, a, it's about building. It's about building the, the long-term relationship. Like what the, when the place next PlayStation is announced, what is it going to be called? PlayStation five. What are they going to do? They're going to show crap, you know, uh, not crap, but I don't mean it in that way, but they're going to show sequels to franchises that are already established. You're going to get the last of us three or something like that. God of war 47, that building that equity in, in your consumer base and creating that fandom is exactly what Oculus is doing here. They want us clamoring for robo recall too. They want us hyped for, um, stormlands too, whenever that might come like, and, and, and to know that when you make that hardware investment, that that they got your back, that they're always going to be there. Um, that's that's the bigger play. They want to get the ecosystem unlocked, get that ecosystem locked down, get people inside. Then, and here's the, even the bigger picture, they now have influence to anybody that wants to come to, to Oculus. So one day when you have this ubiquitous Oculus glasses that you're wearing and Google wants to bring Gmail to the damn thing, who do they have to go through? They got to go through Facebook. Right now, they got to go through iOS. And that I think that's what Facebook is wanting. They want people coming through them for the big services. And all of that is bigger than any one game coming to the Quest. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, if this title was a bigger title, and I think, um, Anthony, you know, that would make sense. You know, if this was, like, the humongous thing that we would love um there, there is some weight to to the argument there that this will be a great you know um, achievement for them to get to the Oculus Quest and get people on board with that kind of stuff. But it's not that you know it's, it's just a small kind of thing. I and mean, I think you know you mentioned that as well earlier. Um, but uh, either way, I'll probably be picking up the Fate of Immortal uh, episode one on uh, Quest when I pick one of those up and I'll try it on my Rift as well. So. Is that pretty much it? Does anybody want to mention anything else before we get out of here? So um, I would like to knock out one of the other games. We, we sort of owed some coverage on... Uh, let's just, Gary, you pick one of the games that are below that line and let's get one off the list because um, I think it's only fair. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, he's putting something out. Okay, let's go. We could, talk, we could talk about ARMS because I played that a little bit. That's okay. the first one. Let's do that one then. All right. Go to you, go Anthony. Ahead, Anthony. You, you go. go. Okay. You go so, Ar so this game, Arms by Televisor, like I never heard. Like I follow VR, and I'm looking at upcoming VR games, and you know, I'm trying to keep track of all these games. But there's always a handful that slip through the cracks. This is one of them. Never heard of it. Didn't know anything about it. But one day we were doing one of our roundtable episodes, and 
we were going to talk about this game. We didn't end up getting to it, but I believe Steve said that he was like, wow, that arms wasn't that bad. And so I heard him say that. And then I was like, well, maybe I should go into this arms and check it out. I went into it and I haven't been in it for a long time. But the one thing I'll say, man, is like their opening menu sequences and everything. It is really slick. Like it's really a night, like just, selecting things and the little noises, the little menus, and and you highlight things. And it's like, you know, it's all kind of like Iron Man style with like the, the little AR type thing. Really cool. And then so you actually get into the game. So what is the game all about? Well, the game is essentially a wave shooter and you're basically planted in a, in a space, but you do have a little bit of movement within that space. Imagine that you're like in this robot body and your robot body can move a little bit this way, a little bit that way. you know. So you have a little bit of movement, but you're kind of stuck basically in the middle. Now, what this game does from an idea, I think it's a great idea. And I'm kind of amazed we don't have more stuff like this. But what they did was they said, well, what are you in VR a lot of times? You know, you got your hand presence. You got two hands that are out here. We're tracking your hands. Well, what they decided to do is let's put you in a thing where now you're like got these like giant robot arms that could like extend over here and over there. And you got guns on your arms. You can grab things. And that's basically what you're doing in this game. And then you've got waves of enemies. And I think there are six different stages. And so the six different stages gives you interesting, different looking backdrops. And the characters are like running around on top of the backdrops graphics are mixed could look great but also in some ways it almost looks like it's a a photo real background that's just back behind there and then there's like animated little things dancing around in front of it almost like playstation one days where they do the pre-rendered thing you know and then have little characters running around but um bottom line like to wrap this up really quick i think it's 15 bucks and I think it's a little bit of a sleeper. I had a little bit of problems with some of the controls and stuff, but I was like, yeah, this game is not like, and it's flying way under the radar. So that's my thought on arms. Yeah. Like I, I thought it was, cause it's, um, I don't think you mentioned the, the big curse word. Uh, it's a wave shooter. So, so curse word inbound wave shooter. Um, but, but it's unique. So you, you, it's interesting what you said about the graphics, because I actually thought the graphics were, were really good. And I didn't get that, uh, that PlayStation one feeling. I know exactly what you're talking about because, uh, it's, it's this final fantasy seven thing where, where you see them walking over the pre-rendered background. So I, I didn't, I didn't get that feeling from this game. Uh, but in terms of the, the, um, the one feeling that I did get and, um, Anyone that's watched us for a long time will know that I'm really bad with remembering names of games and developers and such necessarily. But um, what is the big mech game, not Vox Machina, that, that originally was on PSVR and then it came to PC? Um, you know what I'm talking about, where you, where you feel, felt your arms swinging around, it was on rails? Um, yeah, yeah. What was that uh, one called? Uh, Come on, chat. Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, I think they're like 15 seconds behind us. Yeah. Anthony, you talk about the game all the time because you liked it because of the guy's voice. You were joking on, on, the, on the, the voice acting. It's a mech game that was on rails for PlayStation VR, and then it came to PC VR after. And then they did the free multiplayer aspect of it. Uh, Big, tall, 30-foot-tall mechs. 
Someone in chat's going to get us, and you're going to when, when I'm you when you hear PlayStation this name, VR, I'm thinking like Riggs. I'm thinking Starblood Arena, but none of those no. came to right, PC. No, no, VR. no, big, big, tall Max Archangel. Oh, there oh, it is, oh. <laughs> Archangel. Uh, but anyways, the arms feel like Archangel because like when you swing, but you got this big giant, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 foot arm that that's swinging sort of, and it's almost like they give it a subtle like millisecond lag uh now we got 80 people saying archangel in right. chat uh again i admit I'm, I'm really bad with remembering names so that's just gonna have to be what it is um so anyways it felt like the actual swinging in the arms and all felt like arch archangel but there was some complexity in the shooting because you can you can pick up the little zombie things and you can like squeeze them and make them pop like a squeezing a grape um so i i don't know i thought it was pretty good now um we only have the the price in euro listed at eight fifty four euro or pounds. Sorry, that's pounds. I'm an American. Um, I don't know, Anthony. You mentioned maybe fifteen US. I, I think that might be a little steep. So, but I think it is a sleeper. Um, you know, if you're into wave shooters and you kind of want, it could be demo material. It, lo it just looks cool in a certain way. So, I think it could be a sleeper that you pick up on a Steam sale because it's inevitably going to be like, you know, three dollars or something on on a, a quarterly Steam sale. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a wave shooter, but the thing that separates it apart, other than the fact that you're controlling these huge arms that are way away from you, um, is the fact that you can do what Steve mentioned. You know, you can grab these robots, crush them, or grab the robots and throw them into the crowd of other robots and uh, bat them away. You can use your arms to bat them away. And there's a lot of, like, this. It just feels good to do some of these kinds of things. Like if a robot flies towards you and you just want to bat it away, there's some good sound effects and stuff like that that make it feel good to do that kind of stuff. So it's, um yeah, not a lot to add from what uh, Steve and Anthony have already said, uh, honestly. But, um yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. And I don't think the price is outrageous at all i think it's it's okay um for what he's offering essentially a wave shooter with some extra little mechanics in there um okay uh steve did you want to mention one other game um sure let's do the other ones there's another fun one here um let me switch to me here uh let's do bleeding edge um this was a game that um let me get it pulled up here sorry it takes a second but bleeding edge um is a it, it's it's a location-based experience that you can buy for your house. Um, it, it you it's it's on rails. Um, it is Gary. You have it listed down there as two pounds. I think it's three dollars here in the in the U.S. Maybe three ninety nine. So it's pretty cheap. Um, but it's it's fifteen ish minutes. And I thought this was cool. Now it's jank. It's like um, I think when we talked about it offline once, it was like the equivalent of Sharknado, but for a VR game. So it's completely, I think it's made in China. It's completely janktacular. Like you have this random pink cube on your left hand. Like, I don't even know what that is. It's just this random pink cube for a left hand. Uh, but then you have a gun in your other hand and um, you're just on the back of this Jeep as it's tearing through the jungle and you're just shooting dinosaurs sort of in a, um, you know, arcade uh, house of the dead type uh play style and then out of nowhere and the trailer shows that you have this transformers like dinobot looking thing like just completely random so it's the thing i like about this game is that it's cheap um and that you it can't take itself too serious and it's just it's it's almost like um should become like a meme or something it's just so silly and and so goofy uh but also cool in some ways like uh, if this was like meant 
to be like a $20 game and they were taking it super serious, then I would say it's pretty, um, it's pretty bad. But with it only being three bucks, you can almost get the, uh, again, like I say, Sharknado. It's just, it just becomes this, this weird, uh, thing that exists. And I thought it was pretty fun for, for that, uh, element of it. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's it's pure arcade. I mean, this is sort of almost nineties arcade kind of kind of thing, really. Did you have the thing where so you you're holding this gun and you just have to shoot uh, the placements where it tells you? But did you have the thing where it felt a little bit like um, the Oculus Go kind of controller? You didn't have full motion of the gun. Maybe it was a, something... a, a little bit. Now I was using the Vive ones because I played it on the Pimax, um, and the angle didn't feel quite right either. Um, but I just chalk that up to the vibe ones that i can't stand so i would have to play it with a uh touch or a um i guess we're going to call them index controllers i'm going to call them knuckles controllers knuckles sounds way better um but yeah if i was playing with one of those controllers i'd probably like it better but yeah it, it didn't feel exactly right but that goes back into it like yes it's jank yeah and it's it's cool it's just, just let it let it do its thing like I, I almost appreciate the jank i think it makes it better in some some ways yeah, I mean, you play this game, you play through this game. How long does it take? It's like five minutes or something like that to play through the entire thing, honestly. But it's this spectacle of what it's offering. It's throwing everything at you. And it's just like a, uh, yeah, it's just an action movie in your face and literally in your face what it's trying to throw at you. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good for the price as well. Just as, yeah, again, demo material, I suppose. Anthony, did you try this? Yeah, you know what? I actually did a Let's Play for this. And, okay. um, and the Let's Play, like the recording time of my Let's Play is like 10 minutes and I went into the menu before it started and then I was talking about it after it was over. So I think it's actually like seven minutes. And so when you start thinking about seven minutes for $3, like I do kind of feel maybe this should be like $1.99 or even like 99 cents. Because if it was 99 cents or $1.99, I could probably just go ahead and recommend it to everybody. But you got to understand it's $3 for seven minutes. So understand that. But what, when I'm playing it, I kind of think of like, if I went to Dave and Buster's, right. And they had the back of a truck, you know, just, just like a little facade where you get up on the back of a truck. Right. And then there's a shotgun that's like connected to a thing and you can swivel it around. And then the truck is like bouncing, you know, this would be like what you would experience on a seven minute ride where you're on the back of a truck and the truck is stopping and then starting and then, you know, you're shooting and stuff. It's fun. And I mean, some of the, like some of the scenes, you almost feel like they actually like watch Jurassic Park and watch some scenes of the Raptors and then just basically said, okay, yeah, here's these Raptors running after somebody. Okay. Now let's just digitalize that and make it into a game. It's kind of what they did. There's pterodactyls and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, well, I guess that's pretty much it for this week. We have been going a little bit longer than I expected on this week's episode. Um, so just a quick reminder to everybody, we won't have an episode next week, next Sunday, but we will be back the following week and we'll be enjoying the ramp up to the release of the Quest, the Rift S and, you know, maybe. the Valve Index. Maybe, you know, yeah, we never know. Maybe these it'll things, come out when These we're things gone. are still oddly not dated. Like, like neither headset is dated, which is just weird. Oculus Rifts are sold out, but then there's reports that they're trickling back into Best Buy. So I, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think we all assumed that we would be getting into this in late April, but at this point, I'm not, maybe not. It'll Who be knows? June for we're, we're talking about this stuff. Um, uh, it's uh, gotta be F8. It's gotta be. I, I, 
yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with you. It does have to be. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. It should be. But then again, it made sense for a Rift S to be March 28th, too. So um, anyways, just throw that out there. And and, I, and last week when we took off, a lot of people made suggestions of, of bringing a special guest in and things like that. I want to appreciate everybody for reaching out. Uh, this coming week, though, um, we, we can't take any suggestions because quite literally all four of us are going out of town. Uh, so there'd be no possible way to record. So um, we'll, we're definitely taking it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we will be back, as I say, with a vengeance uh, the following week. So uh, check us out then. Um, and yeah, thank you to everyone joining us in chat. Thank you for the super chats. Uh, Tony M also made a super chat as well. I don't know if I mentioned that one uh, earlier on in the show. So thank you to all the super chatters. And I guess we'll see you next time, you know, a couple of weeks. Hope to see you then. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.